Hello and welcome to the Villa Talks podcast. Welcome to not the pre-match social, the state, I'm going to call it the state of the Villa Nation, I think I'm going to call it, boys. Um, we're going to have probably about half an hour, I reckon, worth of, of maybe ranting, maybe I some... I call it the post-match anti-social. Post-match That's anti-social, right. I like it, yeah, yeah. Maybe a bit of analysis, definitely some stats, as always, um, and just our general opinion of where we're at as a club, how Gerald's done so far. And more importantly, what we need to do to push on um, and looking maybe ahead to the summer a little bit as well. I'm joined today by AJ and Yaro. How are you, boys? I'm good, mate. Yeah. Good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Short week, good, isn't good, good. it? Short week. Friday short off. Week. Very well, short week. Very short week. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm counting today as my Friday, to be honest. Today's um, your Friday, have you not? Yeah. I mean, I do have some work to do tomorrow, mm. but it'll be chill. And I've been like, I've been, I've been in, in, in actual, I've been actually going into work for the three days this week so yeah i'm already treating which is a novelty for me so i'm already treating this as like nice. you know chill out yeah. nice. we had we had the easter bunny uh visit our office today okay oh yeah yeah dressed get, guy dressed up do you get involved with that mate uh i was in a meeting so um in in the meeting room so i, I missed him but i uh mm. i definitely took some chocolates home for the kids right so Ram- ramadan mubarak mate of course. Thank you. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, if t- yeah. Iftar uh, today. How was that? Any any good treats today? Yeah, it was. It was. It was good. Yeah. So um, the kids are actually in London. Uh, they've been for the last few days with the in-laws because they're off on holiday. So I'm going to London tomorrow. So today I was in by myself. Yesterday I went to my mum's, but today I was by myself. So I uh, was lazy and didn't cook anything. So I got a uh, giggling squid pad thai. Oh, nice. Very man. nice. Nice. Yeah. It was very nice. Very nice. But it did a chicken satay as well, is it on the side? Oh yeah. You've got to have a little side dish, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's the best thing about Thai, I think, is is ordering the sides. Yeah. Uh, I, I thoroughly often, enjoyed they're it. They're often more satisfying a lot, than the A main. lot of cuisines I find starters and sides, uh, you know, I just I quite often happily have, you know, two or three starters and, and no no main. Mm. Like, definitely, definitely, hundred percent. I'm with you. you. You love tapas then? Tapas. Yeah, I do. I do like tapas. Yeah, I, I find it ends up getting a bit overpriced, doesn't it? The tapas. By the time you've had your your requisite two to three dishes per person, it uh, it ramps up. Of course, in Spain, when you have it properly, you just get it free with a beer, don't you? So then, yeah. the whole value equation yeah. is different. But uh, when you're going I to a UK to, tapas restaurant, it uh, it gets a bit pricey. I went to um, San Sebastian about maybe I don't know fifteen years ago now. Mm. That's meant to be one of the best yeah, places for that food, is, right? That's, that's I think that, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if it's the home of tapas, but it's definitely what it's famous for. And it was, yeah. it was a different level. But yeah, you were right, AJ, it was pretty much you. People just standing by the side of the bar and getting drinks and just having lots and lots of different food for free, basically. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what would you guys have? Well, before we move on to Villa, obviously, what we're going to talk about food. Yeah. Well, what did you guys have for today, for dinner? Um, I had a Burmese prawn, prawn curry from, uh, a, a recipe book called Rangoon Sisters, which I'd strongly recommend. Um, nice. I've got another Burma um, recipe book, but it's a bit complicated and it's got lots of weird ingredients like soya discs. And where do you get a soya disc from? I don't know. But the What's Rangoon, a soya disc? I, I don't even want to get into it, mate. Um, but I t- <laughs> if you want, on the next episode, I'll bring the book along and it's got a whole. You can read out all of the ingredients, you know, it explains maybe, all the ingredients to you. Maybe we should do a YouTube special, maybe like talk yeah. villa whilst. Whilst we cook with you, you know, watch oh, you cook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we could That'd do that. nice, wouldn't it? We could do that. Yeah. But the, Rang- the Rangoon Sisters is very simplified versions of uh, Burmese uh, Burmese cooking, which as far as I can tell is essentially 
Indian style cooking, but then you put two tablespoons of uh, fish sauce in at the end, and that, that's it. <laughs> uh, but it's really nice, really nice bit of uh, creamed coconut in there, um, and just with some uh, straightforward uh, boiled rice on the on the side. Nice, good. very nice. I think it's fair to say me and AJ are on opposite ends of the sophistication scale because uh, I went for a couple of pints after work today, and then in the half hour window I had between uh, coming home and 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 doing this pod, uh, I snuck a McDonald's in. So I had a big tasty barbecue, and that was my uh, that was my <laughs> evening meal. Nice, Nutritious nice, it was. Yeah. Wouldn't find that in the recipe book, would you? <laughs> you would not. You would not. <laughs> what do you have to drink, mate, with that? Uh, well, I, well, with uh, with the McDonald's, I got a Sprite. Yeah. Um, but oh, a Sprite. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, to be fair, you could just get the the McDonald's burger and just add two tablespoons of fish sauce and maybe yeah, it'd be, it'd be Burmese. Maybe it work. Maybe work. <laughs> yeah. <maybe it'd> work. <laughs> How to make McDonald's Burmese? A very uh, obscure blog that we could start. Yeah. So should we talk well, about that? I guess if we have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. do it. Let's not, let's not drag it out any longer. Um, so, we, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think we need to talk through too much detail the game against Spurs. I think it's been covered by every other pod, um, and we've done it to death, really. And it's sort of same old story. But I think what we can use is use a, the Spurs game as a bit of a template for how how the season's gone so far, uh, more specifically how it's gone under Gerard. And then look forward to what, how we can improve and, and get better. Um, so, uh, well, I suppose I'll, before I hand over to you, AJ, to talk some of the stats and your analysis, um, that game, uh, Jaro, on, against Spurs, showed the best and worst on Villa. Um, the mistakes that have, that have been littered throughout our season uh, and then the, the excellent interplay between our, our midfielders and forward players and then the lack of finishing ability in the top end as well uh what did you make of the what did you make of the game the word that uh comes to mind for that spurs performance is naivety like and that's what really annoys me about it is um the way we start the second half in particular it seemed to me like and don't get me wrong the first half performance was very good and obviously we should have taken certainly danny ings should have taken one of two very clear cut chances um but to me, it felt like Gerard just said to them at halftime, you're doing really well, so just do the same again. Whereas I really feel like what they needed to be told was don't concede another one early on. Let's just keep it tight for at least the first five to ten. And then then we'll start building on on what we did in the first half and 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 push them back as we as we successfully did. Um it felt like they weren't doing that. And then the holes that were in defense in that second half was it was just outrageous. And it was just like, there was just, a, a, yeah, a complete uh, sense of tactical naivete um, to, to, to that second half. Um, it, the, the, yeah, the gaps were all over the shop. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's Gerard's uh, uh, biggest drawback, I think is, is, is this tactical naivety, this, 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 uh, he doesn't seem to address space, uh, there just always seems to be space for the opposition in all sorts of areas, and and yeah, um, and we got punished for it. But a team like Spurs will do that with the front three that they've got. They'll they'll punish you if you if you give them if 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 you play into their hands, which I think we did, regardless of how good the first half was. Um, I think ultimately we played into Spurs' hands. That's yeah, that would be my take. Yeah, AJ, um, Jared mentioned that that first half is probably the best that we played under him so far um 
I mean, is it fair to say, given what we've seen so far this season, that that first half performance was the exception rather than the rule uh, in terms of how how we played in the formation, uh, just our general sort of pattern of play as well that we've seen under Gerard so far? I I, I don't know. I mean, in general, in this pod, I'm not going to be pro Gerard, but that that was certainly. the best 45 minutes or maybe the best 40 minutes because the first five minutes were not great and obviously we conceded in those first five minutes. But probably the best 40 minutes we've played under Gerald. But I think there have been other spells where we have played in a similar way. Um, typically when we've played with that same system with one one ten rather than two and two centre-forwards, we've, we've generally been better, I think. Um, and... Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's quite fair to say um, it's the only time that we've played at that at that level. Well, I can't remember who it was, but when we were talking Southampton. about Southampton, Southampton, Southampton we were great. Leeds, we? we were great. And actually, yeah. I you know I was gonna I was gonna say something else actually, but yeah, I, 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 you're right. Those those games we were we were excellent, and when we won three in a row playing in that system. Uh, then I think it was West Ham, wasn't it, where we really struggled. It was a really poor yeah. game. We had quite a depressing pod afterwards, where we discussed that. Where we discussed that game, um, uh, playing in the same system, it didn't work, and he reverted back to to type to his previous system, which I don't think he should have done. I think he should have stuck with the system that we we played for for this game. Um, but what I was going to say was I can't remember who it was who who said it when we were discussing it in the WhatsApp after the game. But in a way. I think part of that came down to Spurs scoring early yeah. and them standing off more than they perhaps would have done in that first half if they hadn't scored so early, um, uh, which is a bit of a weird one in a way because it was still an excellent performance and I don't, I don't in that first half and I don't want to diminish that um, too much at all. Uh, and again, if we, if the players had taken their chances, you know, even in the game overall, uh, we won the game on XG comfortably. I think it was like one point seven to one or something. Uh, Son's hat trick came from an XG of zero point eight, so <laughs> he, he wow. shouldn't be scoring three goals from from the chances that he had. But you know, that's the quality of players that they've got in that. In, in that front three to score four goals from an XG of one, it, in a way, you could argue we were we were unfortunate, even allowing for um, some of the errors we made in the uh, in the second half. Um, so yeah, I, I think you know it's a bit of a weird game to analyse um, on its own, but I think some of the stuff that Yarek's mentioned is is exactly right in the sense that. Look, you can zero in on individual errors for pretty much all of those goals. Um, but the way we are set up is leading players to be caught out of position. It's leading players, you know, um, to have to um, make up for the fact they've got no uh, support around them. We've talked about Louise in that situation before. And, you know, there's been lots of Twitter threads on that, dealing with it in more detail than, than we will do here. But I just think... Conte, in particular, is a manager who is very smart. He sets up on the counter-attack in general anyway, but makes his teams very hard to break down. And in the second half, he very clearly seen what we were trying to do in the first half. He asked his teams, he asked his team to sit off, uh, to play patiently out from the back and to spread uh, the team wide and deep to draw us onto them and then create space in the second third for, you know, Benton Core, for 
um, Hoiberg to play balls uh, direct into their front three, who were then um, uh, exposed against our back four or often a back two or three with our fullbacks playing so high uh, and getting caught, uh, getting caught out in that space. And that is also what happened against Arsenal. And we talked about it after the Arsenal game uh, as well, that there was too much space for those two holding midfield players. As soon as you get through our initial press, which is poorly structured, the two holding midfield players have too much space. Um, if the two holding midfield players are covered, then the fullbacks or wingbacks, depending on the system we're up against, have too much space. And it just creates overloads all over the pitch. Uh, and in particular... Poor old uh, Dougie Louise. You know, everyone's talking about we need a new defensive midfield player. And, and I don't disagree with that. We've talked about it on the pod lots of times. We we do. But you could have Kante in there. And if he's constantly being overloaded with two or sometimes even three players, he's got to make a decision whether to sit off or whether to mm. press. Uh, if he presses, you know, he's damned if he does. He's, he's damned if he if he doesn't. If he, if he sits off, then, you know, he's too passive and... Uh, there's too much space in midfield. If he presses, it's too easy to play through and then the defence is overloaded. It's just, you know, even in this system, which is which is better and is um, creates fewer issues than the 210 system in the way that I've just talked about, I think. You know, we still had a situation where routinely you've got uh, central midfield players playing half the game at, at fullback and... It's fine for, you know, if you lose 4-0, it's fine that the manager's digging out the players as he reportedly did after the game. You know, you expect that after a, a convincing home defeat, I suppose, in a I way. I thought he accepted uh, full responsibility but, this time. Well, He does that, though. He does that. He does, he does accept. He always says it's on me, but then he, then he goes he says around on and says, me, but... In public, he he did on this occasion. Yeah. Uh, he was he was careful enough not to say, "Oh, I accept responsibility," but actually, it's the players, which he's he, he's still managed to let slip in public on previous occasions. But the mirror reported that again he was essentially in the post match team talk, telling the players who was going to replace them, and all that. that's another issue that we can come back to around. I'm not sure that's the best way to motivate your your players. Yeah. I think we'll come we'll come back to that later in the pod. But I think one thing I really want to emphasise is I think. Steven Gerrard, the player who in this system would be one of the eights. If you ask Steven Gerrard, the player, to spend 50% of the game covering for his fullback and essentially playing an inverted false fullback, whatever we want to call it, would he be happy with that? Steven Gerrard, the player, would he be happy with what he's asking McGinn and Ramsey to do in that system? I, I don't think so. I think he'd hate to be asked to play um, in that position. I mean, what, what do we see other clubs do? Well, um, you know, because plenty of clubs play with high fullbacks. So Man City being one example, although they, to be fair, they tend to play with one of their fullbacks higher, one of their fullbacks a bit more narrower and deeper. But other clubs, plenty of other clubs have played with high fullbacks and been successful. Is it? Do you think it's the, the midfield three rather than playing with two mid, defensive midfielders rather than, you know, right, the way we play obviously is a one defensive midfielder with two eights, but other clubs play with two defensive midfielders or two holding. Like Spurs did, for example. Do you think that's that's the issue? What would you what would you change to make it better for us allow us to play with the high fullbacks? I think there's a range. I think there's a range of issues. Um, I mean, if you look at City as a model, um, or, or even Arsenal when they came and they played a sort of four two four two three one. There's a difference between high fullback and them being effectively having to provide the width in the way that a, a winger would do. You know, when Arsenal played us, Saka and Smith Rowe were the furthest forward players out wide 
and the fullbacks um, would play high, but they're still playing as an overlap or an underlap. They're not they're not the furthest player forward in wide in wide areas in Gerard's system because the one or the two tens um, are always narrow. The fullbacks have to provide all of the width. Similarly, if you look at Manchester City, and you know one of the sort of innovations that Guardiola's had around Cancelo, you know if you look at um, Man City's wide players, whether it's Grealish or Sterling or whoever, they are hugging the touchline and they are high up the pitch, and they are they are the creative force up front. And yes, the fullbacks are high. Um, but actually, they're quite often high and narrow, and they're underlapping rather than rather than overlapping, and that leaves you less exposed against those holding midfield players um, uh, of the other team. the The other thing that those teams do is their press is much more structured, so they don't get exposed in transition so so quickly, and also that you know they will foul you high up the pitch, as I've complained about in the past that refs aren't penalising that and, and bookings for that in the in the right way. But you're not going to get um, the, you know, Hoiberg and uh, Benton Call would not have had the space to make those. You know, Greg Greg Evans in the Athletic wrote a piece about oh how Villa are susceptible to the to the long ball. The issue is that we're not preventing those passes being played in the in the first place. And then the, another issue is the defensive structure behind that is much better in the sense that everybody in you know that Man City team knows their role. They've got Kyle Walker, who's ridiculously pacey, who can cover for all kinds of issues at the back. Um, so, so there's that aspect of it as well. That A, they would typically prevent those long balls from being placed in the, played in the first place. B, if they are played, they've got a better defensive structure behind it so that um, they're not exposed uh, behind that so much. And then after that, even if they are, they've got the pace of Walker to get them out of trouble and to cover a huge amount of ground, which none of our none of our defensive players have. And then the final aspect of it is all those teams are better at keeping the ball than us in the in the first place. So that that's kind of not a tactical deficiency. That's not a Gerard issue. Like if you if you're you know if you haven't got a billion pounds worth of players, then you're not going to keep the ball as well, and and you're going to give it away more often and leave yourself exposed on those transitions more often. So I think there's tactical issues, but yeah, there's issues around the quality of the players as well, if you want but, to get to but, that. But, but on that, um, I've seen a lot of people, is it, when you look on Twitter, which is obviously the, really the only way you can really judge the the fan base's mood, because although probably, you know, it only represents what, probably 10% of the fans anyway, but still, um, it's the only easiest way to judge the fan, fans' views. You see on there, they'll get you'll get some fans who are very small minority who are like, Gerard is just not good enough, get him out, which is very, very small minority. You'll get uh, some fans who are like, it's not his players, it's not his fault. You know, he hasn't got the players to fit his system. And then you'll get the majority of fans who think it's a bit of, bit of both. Mm. That that you know they're not his players. We've seen other managers like Conte, for example. You know, has come in and, and made a massive difference. And and yes, he's he signed players in January, but so has Gerard. Where I mean, where do you think the bigger problem lies, Yaro? Do you think in terms of the system itself? Do you think Gerard? You know, he's quite. All the best managers have their systems, have the way yeah. they want to play, and they're quite stubborn in that. We don't want to see players fleeting between three at the back and four and four two three one and whatever, but. Where do we go from here? How can we really expect to have a massive amount of turnover in players, or is, is it Gerard's responsibility to tweak the system slightly yeah, um, to accommodate I mean, the players? Yeah, there's a few issues. I mean, when it comes to tactics, systems, 
the, the, the way you want to play. I think a manager probably typically has two things in mind. One, uh, what do I have right now? And two, what do I want to aim for in the future? And if Gerard has his way, he wants to play in the future that involves a completely different kind of squad that we have right now, then he can build towards that. But until he gets to that point, he needs to work with the players he has right now. And the issue mm -hmm. I have is that he's not doing that. He is taking his Rangers blueprint and trying to apply it to this group of players, which simply doesn't work. Um, and a sort of knock-on uh, issue is this idea of managerial turnover. And when you bring in a new pl new manager, he has his own system and he has to sign his, his a whole... So we're saying, okay, Gerard needs a window. He needs two windows. Okay, so Gerard gets two windows. But then what, we sack Gerard in two years' time and then we start all over again. Um, and this is an issue with just the way the club is run in general. Um, do we want to be one of those teams that just restarts every two years with a new manager or ca can we be like, you know, um, I, yeah, okay. Admittedly Southampton aren't exactly, you know, knocking on the door of the Champions League, but Southampton are a team that, uh, at least when they change managers, they seem to have the same mold, uh, for each manager to, to, to sort of step in. Okay. It's a similar sort of style. We just seem to lurch from one style to the other. And my issue, my concern with Gerard is that we're gonna we're gonna be here in a year or two's time, and we'll have sacked Gerard, and we'll be talking about the new manager needing two more windows again, and that 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 goes to the turnover of players as you just mentioned. Um, so you know, maybe we will be a much better team when Gerard has more players to suit this system, but it frustrates me that he isn't he doesn't seem to have the ability to recognise. Uh, I don't have the players for that system right now. I should put out a team and uh, uh, develop a system that suits the players that I have right now. Even if it's just for the rest of this season, he needs to do what we... Uh, and and asking Douglas Louise, as AJ correctly referenced, asking Douglas Louise to, to essentially be Kante times a thousand is, 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 not, is not the solution um asking McGinn and Ramsey to be auxiliary fullbacks it's not it's it, it it doesn't work um one player we do have in the squad who every time I see impresses me but gets 10 minutes a game is Emi Buendia and the fact that he isn't using the player that to me looks like the player most likely to make stuff happen and is instead bringing on Leon Bailey to play in this fucking number 10 role <laughs> I mean um yeah uh, that to me, it's it's all it's all a bit square pegs and round holes for me. But this is the issue we've got. I mean, I, I was on Villa View a couple yesterday, a couple of days ago, and, and this is something we were talking about there. And, it, and it's the big issue for me. And it, and it goes for me, it goes right to the top in terms of Perz, Lowe, and Langer. Is the the footballing philosophy? Is the strategy? Is you know we've gone from I, and I understand it's difficult. You know, end of day, if you look at it long term, we've been promoted, we've steadied ourselves in the Premier League, we've become a mid table yes. side, which is you know more than what we could have expected when the owners came in 100%. Yeah. yeah. At the same time, I think you know, we we have to be it's very easy as fans to say, well, look, you know, you would have taken this 4 years ago, stop moaning. You have to be a little bit constructive because otherwise you're never going to improve and there's a real danger, a real danger that we're going to end up in a position as as you said, Yara, where we're going to end up with 
well, we've seen it with Everton, we've seen with Spurs in the past, we've seen with Villa in the past, where we'll have a squad made by four, three or four different managers, which has four or five players that are suited to a certain system for another four or five players suited to another certain system. And it just doesn't work. And and we we're already sort of halfway there, if you look at it, because we've got players like Leon Bailey, Treore, uh, Target, uh, cash has improved, which is fair enough. But initially, as well, he was he was probably in that ballpark. Well, there. Danny, uh, Danny Ings in this. In, in Danny this Ings, yeah, they're, they're all they're all suited to a certain system, which was primarily what. But they're all different systems. Play. That's the, the, the that's they're the issue. Different. I mean, and, I mean uh, but we've gone but we've gone for like Gerard now, who plays a completely different style. And as I mean, I wonder has any thought gone into any of that in terms of the players? You know, who who's going to be surplus to requirements? Can they adapt? Leon Bailey's not going to never going to be an inside number ten, for no. example. Is any any thought I mean, on Leon, Leon, Leon Bailey? I think is a really good example of 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 our uh, transfer strategy not being particularly coherent. I mean, so I mean, it's interesting to think the the summer before this one was the summer where everyone said we did amazing business when we got uh, Emmy Martinez and Cash and uh, I can't remember who else was in that window, but uh, it was it was Watkins. It was lauded as a as a and it was it was a very good window. Uh, I think the following window, the the the, the Grealish selling window. Uh, we it was was almost the opposite. Um, uh, Bailey, Ings, Brendia, three very good players, no doubt about it. Uh, well, actually, I mean, I don't know about Bailey. Presumably, mm. he was very good in Germany. Uh, no, but I mean, with with Bailey, I think with Bailey, just quickly, sorry, yeah, no, 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 no. I think he he was one of the top top performers in the Bundesliga, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and he was definitely when we signed him, everyone, me included, were thinking, wow, I'm really surprised we've managed to get someone yeah. of his caliber because he was he was definitely earmarked for a top six yeah. club, the way he was playing and and you know his attributes and his potential and, as well. I think all, uh, all of those players could be the best player in in a certain team, but the team has to play to their strengths. And Bailey is Bailey, as far as I can understand it, is a classic kind of pacey winger. Danny Ings is a goal poaching uh, centre forward. Emi Buendia is a uh, a playmaker. Uh, and then we've signed another playmaker in January in Coutinho. Um, and I don't think there's just ever been any real thought into how do all of these players work into the same team. Um, and they, they, they said, I, I can't remember who it was. Was it um, Perslow who, who said after we sold Grealish, he said, oh, our idea was to replace one player with three or four or whatever. Three, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah three. Which it sounds great, but only works if those three players work in the same team, if there's a system. And if one of them is out, then someone comes in who can replace them within that same system. And I just don't think that joined up thinking has been there. Well, I think to be fair, um, a couple of things. I've said this before that Dean Smith was not a philosophy manager in the way no, that, true, that others true. are. So it's kind of hard to appoint yeah. someone to continue that philosophy where he didn't necessarily have, unless unless give the ball to Joe Gucci and hope he does. <laughs> Joe Gucci, <laughs> hope he wins the game for you uh, is a philosophy, which you know we've also we don't blame Dean Smith for that. If you've got a player that's that much better than the rest of your squad, then that's what you do. That's fine. It's not a it's not a criticism of him at, at all. But if you get you know if that's your strategy, then how do you employ a manager to recreate that when you don't have that? And, uh, but I think as far as Smith had a strategy, which was a four three three with genuine wingers signing Buendia and Bailey to play left and right of that front three made made some yeah and we never got to see Uh, Bailey have a run in a Smith team so yeah 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 exactly and still to this day we've not seen Bailey have 
any sort of run because he's had he's had injuries and you know I think you're probably right Omar that he's not going to be able to play as a sort of uh, narrow 10 sort of role but we haven't seen him have a chance to do that so so who knows it doesn't feel like he's got the attributes to do it uh, so so I think there's there's that aspect to it and maybe if Gerard doesn't work then someone else with a similar philosophy uh, comes comes in to replace him, and, and and we don't have that that issue. Um, which isn't to say I don't share your concerns, but I, you know, just putting a slightly different, slightly different um, spin on it. I think the thing for me, um, there's a, there's a few things. There's first and foremost, if we want to be a top six team, we don't have the squad to do that. Like we we have to improve the players in order to do that. So the the idea that this team is going to consistently challenge for Europe with the squad that we've got, I, I don't think I don't think we're in a position to do that. There's a different question about whether we should be, given the money that we've spent compared to some of the teams that are above us in the league. Um, but we're, we're not in that position. So if we want to get there, then we're, we're going to have to sign players. We're going to have to replace players, some of whom are players we might like and respect for what the job that they've done in getting us to the position that we're, that we're in now. But but the frustration for me in terms of the the blame it on the players kind of thesis, if you like, is if let let's take what we believe to be Gerard's preferred formation, essentially the the Christmas tree, high fullbacks, two tens, uh, all of that. The idea that we need to pretty much wholesale change our team in order to make that <laughs> in order to make that system work martinez um in goal let's look at let's look at this position by position martinez in goal um he's had a poor season i think and the stats uh, would support that i can throw some out there if you want me to but you know he's got the second lowest save percentage in the league of of uh, keepers that've played more than 20 games well, he doesn't seem to make um, saves anymore which is a concern. he's got uh, if you remember from last season where we looked at his um post shot xg plus or minus which is the amount of goals that have been scored uh, based on what you would ex- uh, versus what you would expect given the quality of the shots and where they are on target. Uh, you know, so if it's in a top corner, you wouldn't expect them to save it. If it's straight at him in the middle of the goal, you would. Last season, he was like a plus six. This season, he's like minus six and a half. Again, second worst in the league. Only Melier is worse than him. But if you were looking for a, col- a goalkeeper for the level that we're at, are we talking about replacing Martinez? Is he one of our better players? Yeah, of course he is. So that's fine. That position's covered. Centre-half, yes, we can debate. Um, Mings has got an error in him. Concer has got an error in him. But if you're looking for two reasonably good mid-table centre-halves, you know that position is covered. We've got Chambers now as well. It may be somewhere we look to upgrade in the summer, but it, it's not like we're massively behind the eight. Chambers is on loan, right? We've now got... No, he signed oh, we did him. sign him. Yeah, oh, signed him. Yeah, on, yeah, a signed free, him. Yeah. on a free. If you're looking for attacking fullbacks, yes, on the pod, we've discussed uh, Matty Cash's um, limitations in the final third. But I think it's fair to say in the last couple of months, uh, he's massively improved in that in that area. And he's getting assists. He's scoring goals. You know, he's getting linked with Atletico Madrid for £40, £50 million. Pound. And then Luca Dean, who on paper is one of the best attacking fullbacks in the league. So if he's you're made out of paper. Attacking yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. If you're looking for attacking fullbacks, you know, we've we've got them. Defensive midfield is the one space where you would say, okay, we haven't got a genuinely quality player in there. Maybe Nakamba, when he comes back, he was good in that system when Gerard first came in. Two energetic eights that you want to cover a lot of ground, uh, decent on the ball, 
um, creative when they have the opportunity. You know, McGinn and Ramsey, like, <laughs> who are you going to find? Yeah. Who, you know, better are we, than, are we McGinn's do better constantly than that? being, do you know what I mean? And then two, two, two narrow tens in our position where we are, fucking Philippe Coutinho and Emi Buendia. Who are you going to find that's better as two narrow tens than those, than those two players? Then you've got Danny Ings. Okay, he's at, he's he's not had the he's not shown his best form for us. But as a centre forward in the past three or four seasons in the Premier League, there's almost nobody. And, and in fact, outside the top four, there is nobody better than him uh, in terms of uh, his goal output. And Watkins, um, again, he's getting a lot of criticism at the moment. But we shared a, a thing on Twitter uh, earlier where if you place Ollie Watkins on a goals per game basis against some of the best strikers we've ever had there's not many ahead of him um you know he's on a par with people like Gary Shaw Dean Saunders um you know he's on a par on a goals per game basis Peter with with players who uh are are lauded as legend Aston Villa legends and yet he's getting he's getting pelters and so I think there's an argument that yes, we need to strengthen players and so on. But if if we're saying that we don't have the players for this system, I think the only things you could say are we need better quality on the ball at centre half, and we need a defensive midfield player who's an improvement on what we currently have. But actually, the system that Gerald wants to play, we have players that are suited to that system, and he's not getting the best out of them. Like, he, the, and in fact, a lot of the players are getting worse under Gerard. I've given the example of Martinez, but you can go through this. You know, Watkins. Uh, there's any number of Conza. players. Conza, McGinn, I think, whose performances been... McGinn, yeah, who are deteriorating, and yeah, part of being a manager is attracting players. Part of being a manager is having a philosophy and a system that you want to that you want to play to. But part of it is man management and getting the best out of the players that you've got, as Yarek's already mentioned. And I don't think he's I don't think he's doing that. And he, you know, one thing you can you can say about Dean Smith is tactically limited, no plan B, all of that sort of stuff we complained about at the time. But as a man manager, he was brilliant. And every single one of our players loved him playing for him. And pretty much every single player under Dean Smith improved, I think. Um, and we're not seeing that uh, un- under Gerard um, at-, at the moment. And that's, it, my, it... that's my concern about giving him a shitload of money yeah. to, to spend hmm. to fill those gaps. Because, you know, another thing is, and I've said this before on the pod, that I don't see teams superior to us playing the system that he's trying to play. I, d- I just don't see other team, uh, you know. I don't see big teams playing that, and there must be a there must be a reason for it. I think. I think. I think yeah. I think, uh, sorry, I'm, I, I was just going to say. No, I, go I, I think you're very right to bring up man management, actually, because alarm bells are ringing with this post-match interview uh, habit he has, which you mentioned earlier, of of digging out the players, of 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 sort of, mm. um, uh, yeah, sort of shirking his own responsibility while saying I accept full responsibility. Uh, then going, uh, but some of these players don't buy into my vision or whatever. Like he said, you know, and and I will, I'll be fully prepared to sign some players who do. And, and the Ming stuff. Did you see the Ming stuff? No. Yeah. Uh, about the captain. That is I'm not. Cons- that's a, that's I'm not considering a, buying uh, another captain. Like, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's that's yeah, just that's not weird. weird. I don't understand yeah. it. Look, I, 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 I like. Uh, I think 
with Gerard, you you have to give him the summer at least. To yeah, get I agree. We don't... You have to. Yeah. It's, it's logical. I get that. But at the same time, there's nothing wrong with saying there's things that he's done that have not made sense or have been wrong. And uh, I see these. I, I completely agree with you on the, on the players as well, AJ. Because I saw I, I made this point as well on Twitter. I was like, you know, it's all well and good saying, oh well, you know, we need two new strikers. Our finishing is not good enough. We if you if you looked at the strikers available, you've spent sixty million pounds on Ings on, and Watkins. And Watkins scored, yes, he hasn't had a great season this year, but he scored 14 and he, he had scored 14 goals last season. He's one of the best strikers outside the top six. Ings has consistently been one of the best strikers in the league in terms of pure finishing ability. Yeah. Who else are you going to get? I mean, you're going to yeah. have to spend 60 to 80 million on one player just to find someone who might, who's got a bit of certainty around that he's going to, they're going to get a certain amount of goals. Anyone else is going to be a risk, as much of a risk as, as Ings or Watkins. And, and just on that, mate, stats-wise, Watkins is a little bit behind now. He's got eight goals from almost 10 XG, 9.9. So, yeah, there's a little, there's a few chances missed in, in there. Uh, and Ings has got five goals from 5.5. XG, but so essentially they're not far behind where you'd expect them to be for the yeah. quality of chances that they've had. Yes, they've missed chances in the last couple of games, but overall this season we've scored forty goals from an XG of thirty-six, and under Gerard specifically, we've scored twenty-eight goals from an XG of twenty-four. So the problem is not that we're not taking our chances; we're actually ahead of where you would expect us to be in terms of the chances that we have created. That the problem is that we're not creating enough chances and we've you know in January versus what Dean Smith had available to him he's gone out and signed Luca Dina who's one of the most creative fullbacks in the league uh consistently in terms of the uh the assists and and uh and chances that he creates he signed Coutinho who has already uh, scored a load of goals and, and created a load of chances for us albeit on a very inconsistent basis he's either sensational or he disappears completely um but but the issue is not the the overall issue. I'm not saying that, you know individual games, Spurs game we've talked about. We should have taken more chances. We should have been in that. We should have been in that game. But overall, the issue under Gerard has not been that our strikers are not taking the chances that we create for them. The issue has been that we have not been creating sufficient chances um, and, uh, in in this system. And we've been too easy to bulldoze through at the other end. Uh, you know, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, to me, actually, the issue under Gerard hasn't really been going forward at all. It's it's almost all been. I mean, okay, yeah. The, I mean, there's been some matches where we've created absolutely nothing, but um, for the most part, my issue with with Gerard is we we were starting from a losing position because, yeah, as I say, as I use the word at the top of the show, naivety. I just think we 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 we're, we're consistently naive. We consistently play into the hands of the opposition. We consistently don't uh, match up to them, and we don't manage the game. We don't have, you know, five ten minute periods where we go, okay, let's keep it tight. Um, we just, yeah, we just seem to try and bomb on, thinking that our players are going to create the chances to win the game, and it doesn't happen. Hmm. The, the amount of times we lose goals at the completely the wrong yeah. time. Yeah, this happened throughout this Precisely. throughout throughout the season. You know, it's just you know, like like we saw on, on Spurs, against Spurs. You know, you're completely right. Yeah, you know, you've got there's got to be a mentality around the team where it's got to be hard to beat. You've got to be ruthless. Um, and we sort of saw that a little bit under Dino for for a spell, uh, and then lost it towards the end mm. of the last season. But this season, we've just throughout even under Dino, to be honest, it's been the same. Um, uh, we uh, have we have never had that ruthlessness. We never had that cutting edge and and that mentality to just grind out yeah, a win. I, I just think haven't it, seen yeah. it. 
or, it's, or even a draw. You know, we've how many? We don't draw. Yeah, we yeah. have. We've lost seventeen games this season. Uh, only the bottom three have lost more games than us. We don't. We don't draw games. But I, I also don't think it's unrelated to the point about man management. Like if you've got, yeah, I'm going to sound a little bit David Brent here. My <laughs> what more so than my, normal? My, yeah, more so than normal. My, my understanding of leadership has always been. Uh, if something goes wrong, then you take responsibility for that, and you respect the people you you protect the people that work for you from from that issue. And if something goes right, you give them the credit because they've they've done it. To me, that's to me that's leadership, and I don't I don't feel that from Stephen Gerrard. And if you are constantly telling a player you're playing for your career, you're playing to remain captain, what kind what kind of pressure does that put them? under you know that does that make you relaxed in your job does that make you put you in a position to want to do want to do your best uh I mean I I don't know so I mean I I've got a few stats on comparing where we were under Smith to where we are now under Gerard on a few different things and I've looked at them both in terms of Smith at the beginning of this season which let's face it was was poor uh, and even now, having lost four on the four in the, on the bounce, is it under Gerard? Now we've lost. Yeah. We're we're still better off than we were in that early phase um, uh, under Smith in the first. I think um, uh, I think it was eleven games we had under Smith this season in the Premier League. We're, we're still in a better we're still in a better position than we would have been if we'd continued on that on that on a points per game but basis. I, is that what you're saying? Yeah, but I've also looked at versus Smith last season, where um, all right, Joe, um, uh, Joe Joe Gucci was out for half of the season as a, as a key player and all of that. But essentially, he had his he had his full squad and and all of that to play with. Right at the beginning of this season, he had a lot of injuries. He was adjusting to the sale of uh, of Joe and all of that sort of stuff. If you look at um, uh, XG under. Uh, Gerard, we are currently uh, under the twenty league games that we've had under Gerard. We're one point two uh, xG per game in our favour and one point one against, which speaks exactly to why we've been extremely inconsistent. There's not a lot of variability there. A lot of those games are going. Funny enough, that's, that would suggest way. that we should draw a lot of games. What all? Yeah, <laughs> was, av- averages hide a lot of uh, variation, though, don't they, Eric? As I'm, I'm sure you, uh, I'm sure you understand. Under Smith, it was worse though. Zero point nine uh, um, xG four and one point five against at the beginning of this season. So, uh, and again, if you look at points per game, one point three points per game for Gerard in his twenty games this season versus only zero point nine points per game under under Smith. So, I think you know we've talked about this before. There was a case for sacking Smith. Whether there was a case for sacking Smith and replacing him with Gerard is a is a different question. But also, as we've talked about. Gerard's got a better squad than Dino had at the beginning of that season. You know, in January he added Dino, he added Chambers, he added Coutinho. That is a huge upgrade uh, of what uh, Dean Smith um, had available. But also, if you compare that to Smith last season, um, the XG four was one point four per game, which was better 
the XG against, and this is interesting for me because one of the criticisms of Smith of, often was, uh, you know, we weren't good enough defensively. He couldn't organise us defensively. Uh, our XG against across the whole of last season was only 0.9. So actually we are worse defensively under Gerrard now than we were last season uh, under Smith. And obviously Smith uh, last season was better off on a points per game basis with 1.5 points per game versus the 1.3 uh, that Gerard is um, generating uh, currently. There's almost no prospect of um, us hitting the points total we hit last season under Smith. That was 55 points. We've pretty much got to win every single remaining game. I think if we won every single remaining game, we'd finish on 57 points. So there's almost no chance of, of that happening. But the, the other comparison that I've looked at is um, we've talked before about on the analyst, the, op, the Opta stats. They look at a lot of the different uh, stats on style of play. Unfortunately, you can't break it down on a game-by-game -game basis like you can some of the other stats that are available. So I can only look at this season as a combined Smith plus Gerrard. But given Gerrard's had 20 games this season and Smith's only had 11 those stats for this season should skew more towards Gerard's style of play than towards Smith's. And I think this is interesting because Gerard has told us he wants to play uh, a more possession-based game. He wants to build up from the back more. He wants to play out from the back more. And we see evidence of him trying to do that. But if you look at it in the overall stats, uh, then it's not it's not really translating into, uh, into a... a a comprehensive change in our style of play as things currently stand. So under Smith, we talked a little bit, quite a lot about how we were the most direct team in the league. So how quickly do you play the ball forward in terms of metres uh, per second? We are still the most direct team in the league on that on that measure uh, and actually by a, by a comfortable distance. Our average possession has actually gone down under Gerrard. So 46% now versus... 47% for Smith in his games this season and 48% for Smith wow. in his games last really? season. So we're actually having less possession under Gerard than we did under Smith. Similarly, the measure of sequence time. So when you've got possession, how much time do you have it? It was 7.99 uh, seconds on average this season versus 8.29 seconds last season. Not a significant difference, but again, it's certainly not keeping the ball more for longer periods. If you look at the number of passes per sequence, uh, that's exactly the same. 3.02 last season, 3.02 this season. And if you look at the number of sequences where we've had 10 or more passes uh, in a game, that was 6.64 this season on average and 6.8 per game last season. So again, we're actually having fewer uh, uh, passes per sequence. So in terms of, of what Gerard has told us he is trying to do with the team and even accounting for what he's told us about, he doesn't have the players, he wants to you know, have particular players to suit his system and, and so on. He's not, he's not delivering what he's telling us his objectives are. So that is, that is worrying for me on a, on a number of uh, levels. And that actually was surprising because he, he's clearly trying to do it. You could see us trying to play out from the back more. You could see us trying to keep the ball better and at times doing that. But if you look at it as an overall average across all of the games we've played, there, there's no significant change there. Um, and, and to me, if the argument is we need to give him time to continue moving in the direction he wants to move, 
so far, we have not moved very far, if at all, in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I didn't realise about the possession stat at all. Uh, that surprises me massively. Because uh, the the assumption was that we were playing better football under Gerald, or he's trying to be make us a bit more controlled in, in, on the ball. Um, I, mean, I mean, so if we look forward now to, to the summer, uh, before we finish this part, obviously, I know we've gone on a bit longer than we probably thought we would. I mean, what Don't we are, always? Yeah, we always. Yeah, yeah. We did, but I, I, we, did fair, we did spend ten minutes talking about our yeah, dinner. To be yeah, fair, yeah, no, yeah. 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 Right. Tapas was a very no, but I, I topic, think so. to be fair, to be fair, but I think I think there's just so much you can talk about. Yeah, uh, when it comes to this this topic, I think there's uh, there's probably loads of areas that we haven't covered. Yeah, I've still got I've um, still got loads of, that loads I've kept of nuance, reserve, to be honest. But, new, yeah. Loads of nuances we haven't coved, but yeah, if we're looking ahead of the summer, obviously we're we're not going to get rid of Gerard, and I'm not, none of us are saying no. that. There definitely needs to be improvement in the team, but we definitely need to improve the squad and and buy players that Gerard wants rather than players that he's inherited. At the same time, we can't we can't expect us to have a massive overhaul. It's just not realistic. What what you know? What are the key positions for you? Do you think uh, apart from defensive midfield, which we know oh, about? Oh damn it! What are the, you, what, you've what taken are the away position? my main answer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the defensive mid goes without saying. We all know it is going to happen. But as AJ is quite correctly pointed out, um, if we're asking said defensive midfielder to do what we're asking Douglas to Louise to do now, then it doesn't really matter who we sign because they're one to a hiding for nothing um uh outside of that what uh well it depends hugely on the Coutinho question doesn't it do we do we try and sign Coutinho permanently um if we do uh then that uh I think has a knock-on effect because I think Emmy Buendia is not going to stick around uh or he's not going to want to um so that then becomes a question about how much personnel do we have up front um is Danny Ings still going to be a player that is that is that, that is sort of part of our vision I don't I, I really don't know <laughs> to answer your question um simply because I don't quite get what Gerard's vision ultimately is i know i mean i i i I understand the system um but i don't understand how he's molding this team i I suppose probably i I don't understand the system well (laughs) i understand it in terms of the 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 positions and and yeah who the the 11 that you ran through earlier and and actually uh I hadn't realised that you know. I think you 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 were, you were quite quite astute to point out that we actually have the players to meet that system already. Um, so uh, yeah, in terms of knowing yeah how he wants to play, in terms of how they line up, I understand that. In terms of how it actually works, then no, I don't understand it. Um, but um, I suppose I suppose a better way of looking at it, AJ, is um, which players do you think are surplus to requirements? Like realistically, are not are not going to be fitting the Gerard system. Oh, I could have done that one be, much more easily. Won't be here. Yeah, sorry, I probably I just thought about it now. I'll an- I'll answer both if you want. I, I, yeah, I think there are a few obvious players who will go if we get good offers for them. So I think Keenan Davis will almost certainly sign for a championship team. We'll probably get 10, 12, maybe even fifteen million for him, given what he's doing at Nottingham Forest. I think that's good business for us. Um, El Ghazi will go if someone wants him. Trezeguet will go if someone wants him. Wesley, technically still a Villa player. Whether or not someone will give us any money for him, I I don't know. He's not exactly been getting a lot of uh, game time for Club Bruges, has he, uh, since he went there. Um, um, so, So there's some kind of players who are obviously on the fringes who will go. 
There's then questions about um, I guess go, ba- you know, Matty Target will probably go. Uh, Bailey, as we've talked about, does Gerard see a role for him in the system? I think if he goes this summer, it's a mistake because we won't get anything like what we paid back for him. Um, but, um, you know, if we don't see a place for him in the system we want to play, then fine. Triore could go. Uh, who knows? Again, injury prone, not had a lot of chances this season. I, I think was I'm, I'm, pretty good I'm for a us big last season. Fan, but I think he's probably on his way. Yeah, out. me too. And I can see him playing in that ten in that ten role yeah. uh, to reasonably good effect as well as a, at least at least as a backup uh, in, in that situation. So there's those players that will go. There's rumours that Ings might be used in, as some kind of Basuma make weight. Um, right. Again, like it's one of those where. It's not working out for him at, at Villa, and uh, that's fine. But I do feel like Brighton, as a competitor to us in a similar position in the league, what they lack is exactly what Danny Ings is. And if he goes there, he will score 15 or 20 goals because they create all kinds of XG and just don't finish them. And he's exactly the man to complete that yeah. side for them. So uh, I would kind of worry about that from a strategic point of view. But from the point of view of him leaving the Villa, it just doesn't work for him. Um, so you know, if that brings helps us bring in someone like a Basuma, then you almost have you almost have to do it. There's loads of players there. You know, Doggy Louise, he needs to sign a new contract if he's going to stay. Um, does Gerald see him as one of his eights? I don't know. Do we think he's our six? I don't think so. So if someone's going to give us twenty five million for him. Um, then again, uh, I think that's probably that's probably on the table. So that, those are the potential outgoings of which there's a. There's a lot. But I think we've talked about in the past that actually that's not a bad thing. Like in previous seasons when we've been in this situation um, in terms of balancing our financial fair play and all of that sort of stuff, we haven't had saleable assets that we can do that with. I think now we're in a position where you know typically we're going to be selling players for 10 or 15 million and some players for more. So that really helps us to, to balance balance the books. In terms of what we need to sign or more, I guess, in terms of what I think Gerard will want to sign... I think he will want a ball-playing centre-half. Um, I think Mings can do that on the left-hand side. He's error-prone, but his all-round game is good enough. Uh, I don't think either Concer or Chambers are the answer to that on the right-hand side. As much as I love Concer, poor form recently, Rolls-Royce defender, talked about for a long time that his his passing um, is, is below where you need it to be if you want to be a, a team that keeps uh, possession and plays out from the from the back and that's a shame because I think he's a phenomenal defender but football is more than that now obviously a defensive midfield player and I think Gerard will want a striker especially if things goes we'll need one uh, I guess Archer comes back in as a, as a backup potentially um, but I also think actually if we want to play a more possession-based game as much as I've kind of talked up Ramsey and uh, McGinn in this uh, earlier in the in the pod, I think we need an eight who is better at looking after the ball than what we currently than what we currently have because I think both of those players are um, constantly looking to progress the ball but are not great at making sure we keep it. So I think that's an area that if we wanted to be a possession-based team, we would need to strengthen um, whether Gerard feels the same, I don't know. I say, by the way, I think Chambers has been outrageously harshly treated. Uh, I think he was brilliant and then was just dropped because Concer was around. Uh, Concer was back. Uh, Gerard, I remember Gerard saying in his interview, oh yeah, I've just got to balance the squad and keep people happy, so that's why Concer's back in. 
It's like, well, yeah, but also in a previous interview, he'd said, if you play well, you keep the shirt. And that's why Callum Chambers is playing today. So it's like, again, it's like, you don't know where you stand as a player, do yeah. you? Uh, yeah, which I just think, problem, I, yeah, anyway. bizarre. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have we ranted long enough? Any more rant uh, left? No, I, I just had one one final thing that I just wanted to say. In the absence of Carl, I know we're not doing Heroes of Villains in the absence of Carl, but I, I do want to say there is one very, very clear hero to me, which is Keenan Davis for his celebration in front of the Blues fans for Nottingham Forest. Yeah. Um, I think, can we just lock that down as Keenan as our hero? Yeah, that was good. I I mean, he, 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 oh yeah, I was uh, villain of the week. I was going to mention just because it came up in my Facebook memories today. Nine years ago today, me and Carl, uh, I can't remember what game it was, but we'd been in the Holt Suite after and we came out to get a cab, flagged a cab down and then uh, some uh, fucking Johnny Villa staff member comes out, butts in ahead of us, gets the cab and goes, oh, can you take our CEO, Paul Faulkner, in this cab? Uh, and so essentially Paul Faulkner um, stole our cab nine years ago today so it's, we didn't have a podcast platform in those days now we have so I'd like to make Paul Faulkner uh, and his uh, minion from the Villa Park staff uh, um, villain of the week but, but, for robbing our cab nine years but, ago but, villain was, of the week to, nine years to, ago yeah okay yeah we had to wait ages for it at that time not the villain like, of this you know, week an, the week nine years an ago. hour an hour or 90 minutes after the game, there's not loads of cabs around. And we thought we'd lucked out there with that one. And then he's literally like pushed in. And obviously the cabbie wants to take the CEO, doesn't he? Because, uh, it's, you know, it's probably... That was the beginning of his downfall, it's, wasn't it's it? It's a story for another time, yeah. but Liam Gallagher once tried to do that to uh, me and a group of friends, failed. And then we got to swear, give him the wanker sign out the cab as we went past Liam Gallagher. It oh. was one of the best nights of my life. So now Meg, you're now you're my hero. Of the week now <laughs> for that story. Can, I've, I've got one as well. Meg oh, Meg, yeah. Ryan, Meg Ryan stole our cab. Mine and the Mrs. Cab in New York. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. You always have yeah. to. You always have to. No, I mean, it's you not. You always it's have really, to one. You always have to one up us, don't you? Yeah, I know. But it was. It's true, though. It's true. I mentioned it before on the pod, actually. So it's not have really. You? I'm not trying to one up. I'm just trying to. I don't remember. I'm just trying to. I'm trying was to that, get keep you included in the. Were uh, we the on that pod, or was that? Was that season one of the pod with uh, <laughs> Chadzi and uh, no? We were two. Chadzi and Jugsy, we, we were all very serious, down to business, so we didn't really talk about. You didn't that talk about stuff, tapas. So yeah, that's been, true. Yeah, it would have been you guys. I'm sure. <laughs> um, no, yeah, she no. was all bo- she was all Botox top as well, which made it worse. Yeah, good stuff. I, th- I think we're done. Yeah, we're done. Can I just say one one final thing? Um, according to uh, points per game generated by uh, the opposition. We've actually got a pretty good running, so just to end on a bit of an really? uh, bit of an optimistic uh, a bit of an optimistic note, um, the uh, there's only I think four teams that have got uh, a better uh, running uh, than uh, us in the remaining. Uh, oh no, five teams it is. So the teams we've got remaining to play have only averaged one point oh nine points uh, per game so far this season. The team with the easiest remaining running is Crystal Palace. Who've uh, their teams they've got left to play have only averaged 0.87. Uh, second, second best is Man City, so they're almost definitely going to win the league uh, unless we upset them on the final day, which we won't. Uh, hardest run-ins are Brighton and Leeds. Um, have you got Have you got the full table of, of of run-ins there? I have. Uh, so, yeah, so, I've got so the full table. In terms yeah. of the relegation battle, Everton versus Burnley, what's that looking like? Uh, where's Everton? Everton have got a hard run in. So they are 
fifth worst in terms of their run-in. Uh, the teams they have re- remaining to play have averaged 1.27 points per game. Uh, Burnley, um, the teams they've uh, got left to play, pretty much the same as us, 1.1 okay. 1. 1. Okay. per game. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. Um, Burn- Burnley, uh, obviously Burnley have got to play us twice. So Yes. Um, <laughs> That's six points. That's six points. Yeah. We could. It's <laughs> interesting because given we're you know in mid-table obscurity, we could actually have a say, a very significant say in both the title race and the relegation that's prob- battle. That's probably not a good thing, though, is it? Because we're playing against teams with some. Also, we we tend really, to be really to fight We tend for. to be all right against the lower. It's 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 the it's the top half that we're terrible against, isn't it? Like we don't we don't beat anyone above us. I did. I did. Someone say on uh, on uh, Twitter where um, a tweet which which I found quite funny was uh, Man City have got one hand on the title. And it's Coutinho to Ings. Ings scores, and it's Man City five, <laughs> which, which didn't make me laugh. Because especially because I, I didn't read it properly, I read the top bit, and then yeah. I scrolled down and saw the five one, and it did. It got me. Yeah, very, yeah, good. very good. Yeah, that is. Well, cheers, AJ. For and- but anyway, just uh, just you know, we've we've had a bit of a negative pod. We've actually got a pretty positive run in. Uh, who knows? Maybe we'll sneak into the top. We're off. all going to be singing nice. our praises we'll. come the end of the season. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lovely boys. Stuff. Thank you for your time as always. Thoroughly enjoyed that. I was, I said to before the pod, I'd be hundred percent not up for this pod. And, uh, he says it every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I, no, I, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy that. It was really interesting to hear the stats and the analysis and Yaro's thoughts, AJ's thoughts. So thank you boys as always. And, uh, thank you all for listening. Please do subscribe and follow us on whatever podcast platform you're on. Uh, pod is sponsored by, I forgot the name now. Me, <laughs> me, me, me be digital. Me be digital. I should know that. Uh, me be digital. I'm out of practice. Um, so check them out. I'll tag them in the post. And yeah, thank you for listening and uh, catch you guys next week. And up the villa. Up the villa. Up the villa. I love it. Manu bahut changa lagda.